Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm Vince Dragone and I have with me Jesse Spanigal tonight. How's it going, Jesse? It's going really good. I just We just finished confirmation here at our parish and uh, I literally just locked the door. So here we are. <laughs> You've been a busy man lately. I even tried. I was even thinking about you whenever I scheduled this podcast recording. I was like, Tuesday nights probably aren't the best because Jesse's been uh, in charge of putting on The Chosen in the parish on Tuesday nights, so we're gonna do Wednesday. And then little did I know that uh, confirmation was tonight. And so it's probably even busier, even more hectic, and you came in sweating and out of breath. So uh, it's gonna be a good night. That's normal. <laughs> That's just normal. No, it's, 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 it is a season. It's sacrament season in the church. And uh, you know, like I said, we're trying to stay very active. You know, We had our dad's group this week. We had, um, we're doing the chosen, trying to, with outreach. Uh, we have confirmation tomorrow night. We have a night to Columbus. So, uh, like I said, I, I we need to stay active, be aggressive with faith. So uh, I have to be part of that if, I, if we're going to change the culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of really plays right into our topic tonight, and mm-hmm. which is, you know, how do we raise Catholic children in the in the in the secular world? How do we raise them in the faith when they have all all around them they see stuff that's anti-Catholic in nature? Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. You know, when I came up with this topic, you know, I I work with so many families and parents, and I see a lot of parents regretting um, just overall their parenting style. Um, you know, oh, I, my kids walked away from faith. Um, you know, my kids aren't, they don't care about God. They don't care about uh, church. And I've done a lot of reflection over the years, and, you know, I thought this topic was really uh, poignant because— I had listened to a podcast with Ed Siri, and then I picked up this book, and um, this book was uh, by Christian Smith. It's called Religious Parenting. Uh, very, very good book. It's, a, it's, it's kind of textbooky, but uh, he he's a sociologist, and he right, he's a Catholic, too, and he kind of gives some, some really good tips. They really echo uh, what I've believed and what I've put into practice and what I saw that's worked. Uh, he uses study and surveys and data and a lot of really good, <laughs> not just a hunch or, you know, because I, I think it's a good idea. So he's put a lot of work into it. So I thought this would be a good topic for tonight. Um, just overall, you know, moving forward post-COVID, um, I have a lot of parents just, what, what do we need to do? Like, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't know everything about faith. And so I kind of put this uh, t- together to, to talk about. So that's kind of a theme today. Yeah, and we, we touched upon this a little bit in our dad's group this week, and I we thought this would be a great topic just to bring on to the podcast. And um, really what it, what it comes down to is, you know, am I doing the right thing? At the end of the day, am I doing the right thing as a parent? Um, you know, I question that all the time. My wife and I are constantly talking about, hey, was, was that the right decision tonight that we made? Um or, or could we have done it better? And so it's, I think part of being a good parent and raising your child, no matter what it is, whether it's in the secular world or whether you're raising them in the faith, it's constantly looking, um, looking at yourself, looking at your actions, reflecting upon, hey, what can I do better next time? And what should I be doing so that my child, especially in my case, stays in the church, unlike what I did? How do I prevent, you know, like my mom always said, um, you know, I want you to be more successful than I was. I want you to not make the same mistakes as me. And I think, I think every parent has said that to their kids. 
And I want that same thing for my child or my children. So, you know, how do we get there? And I think, um, you know, the, the number one point here is, you know, parents are the greatest influence of faith in the lives of their children, just in general. So you take faith out of it and you, you know, your parents are the greatest influence of anything in your life growing up. And, you know, when you put faith into it, you know, this is where you learn this from home. It's not something that you learn from CCD or if you go to Catholic school or if it's just Sunday mass, you, you get, you get pieces and parts, but you, if you, unless you live that in the home, then I don't know, I don't know what you expect as a parent. It's a reflection of culture too. I mean, you have parents, let's just, just look at sports, for example. It's like, if I send my child to this basketball camp with this ex-NBA player and this is the best camp and he's, once they have this week of intensive camp, they're going to be a changed player, you know, and I see a lot of that and I see that even on the religious side too, like, okay, take my kid, he's, you know, he's on drugs, Jesse, and uh, fix him in youth group and it's like, wow, okay, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of expectations on programs and programs are important and we'll get to that later but the number one influence is parents um you know reflecting upon my life um i had the best parents in the world i really my parents took me to mass we conversed about god um yeah we had flaws and you know my dad's faith um he couldn't name the church fathers or you know, the acts of mercy or, you know, he, but he lived it. He, he, he was a very simple faith. He prayed it. Um, and I, it, it, it came from my grandparents all the way down to my parents. And, you know, I remember my grandfather every day going in and, and, um, uh, lay, uh, before his nap every day, he'd kneel down and he prayed with his, with scripture, you know, and it, he passed it on to my dad. My dad passed that on to me. And just that that's so important to realize that parents are the number one influence. One way or the other, how we handle ourselves during stress, how we handle ourselves during success. Um, they are, you can't replace them. No iPhone, no program, no uh, even really, really powerful group or even education. Nothing replaces what you have at home. And that's why, you know, my wife and I, we put such emphasis on every night we pray together as a family. And it is so important. It, just having a conversation. Um, you know, my mom's living with us right now. And the family dynamic is kind of all over the place. And my dad's in the hospital right now. And so, like, every night we check in. So, you know, tonight when I get home, well, I'm going to get the kids out of bed. And we're going to kind of check in. How, how was today? What's going on? We have a little con- conversation. And then we do our prayer. And tonight will be a quicker prayer. You know, we won't do the full <laughs> litany of everything because it's later. But it's so important that we do that. And then on the way to school, we do our prayer. And we talk about the expectations of the day. Um, this is share a very powerful. I'll tell you what, this is this happened to me the other day, Monday. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we talk about the hand of God. And I always try to show the kids that God's walking with us. Um, so we had a teacher in the school who just lost her dad. And so she was gone last week. And every day I take the kids to school and we do our prayer. But I also, I'm a typical dad, I embarrass them. And I play very loud, obnoxious music. 
And <laughs> every day we pull up to the church, to the school, and I play Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. <laughs> and I, bla- I blast it. And my oldest girls are like, no, daddy, please don't do it. So we pulled up Monday. This teacher who just lost her dad happened to be back at school. She was she we were, she was one of the teachers that we got to you know, get out of the car, and she's gonna take the kids into the school and check their temperature and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Uh, Francis yelled at me. He goes, "Dad, play Uga Chaga," and I'm like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna play something different today." So I put on Yakety Yak. I mean, Yakety Yak, don't talk back. I hope you don't have copyright, but like, <laughs> I'm tone deaf. That's all right. So I put that song on. And uh, I just just to be funny, and she opens the door and she starts bawling and just weeping, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, what's what's wrong? And she goes, she goes, this was a song that me and my dad danced to at my wedding, and I'm just I got chills, and I'm like, I'm so I'm you know I says maybe that's your dad, you know, just giving you a little nudge that everything's okay. And I think that, you know, my kids saw that. And that was a moment that, you know, of all the songs I could have picked, that was the song. And it really showed the kids, you know, that God's walking with us through this all. I think that's that's important as a parent. I don't know. But. Yeah, wow. That What are the chances of that? Like, I don't think <laughs> there are chances of that. I, You know, it, it's, there are some things that just like, yeah, that's... There's there's something more going on here, and it, yeah, it's always great whenever you can share those moments with your kids to say, "Hey, you see, the stuff we talked about. Here's just a small example. It's a silly example, yes, but right. it can be powerful, especially to you know someone who's young. So, you know, let's let's kind of move on to um, you know like parenting styles. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to like to to have you know you you raise your kids in the faith. Okay, so how do we do that? Let's kind of break it down a little bit, and let's talk mm-hmm. about um, structure versus no structure versus being uh, authoritarian, authoritative, all these things. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, you know, what does, uh, uh, what, what does Christian Smith say about, uh, you know, the, the parenting style? Sure. Um, first of all, he he really focuses on being authentic, no matter what. Um, kids want truth. Um. You know, sometimes we think we have to tell them, you know, a story or kind of, you know, I'm better than, no, they just want to be honest with them. Through that honesty, uh, Smith, he talks about this authoritative style. Um, There's a lot of different parenting styles. And we talk about this at our dad's group. um, And I know the moms kind of talk about it too. But, you know, sometimes the dad comes in, you know, the heavy. And sometimes the mom's like that soft spot to land. But, you know, Smith really points out that the kids need kind of that balance. So the direction is important. So what is expected of you? That needs to be first and foremost. Um, I, I work with a lot of kids. Kids need structure. Um, they, they, they like it because they know what's expected of them. Within that safety net, if a kid messes up, then that adult, that parenting style needs to be a soft spot to land. So there's a way to hold them accountable, but also understand that they they will make mistakes and walk with them. So he really says, you know, through all of his research, that style of parenting is really the best um, overall. Uh, just 
looking at all the different styles, that's the kind of focus that tends to have the best results of maintaining. And that's, you know, kind of the walk of faith if you think about it. You know, what is a Christian? What are we supposed to do? We'll mess up. And then we need mercy, right? So that's kind of the, it echoes what the walk of faith is, I I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it can be, it can be difficult to um, slow yourself down, especially whenever one of your kids is doing something they shouldn't be. And they, you just keep saying, okay, that's enough. Stop. And they just keep doing it. And it gets to a point where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to start freaking out? Cause that's like, that's where I go. Like I have, I have a very short fuse and, uh, and it's like, I have to step back and I have to pull the kid aside. Usually we go into the other room and we talk about, Hey, this is the expectation. You're not doing it. This is now the consequence. And by the way, whenever you're all said and done, it's time to go say sorry to your brother or your mother or go eat dinner like you're supposed to, whatever it may be. And it's, you know, we can learn it from, you know, as parents as well. And I'm sure you have older kids, Jesse, at least older than mine. Um, you know, I don't know how long it took you to realize that, but it, it took me a couple of years to of not just, hey, stop that. <laughs> I still do that at times, but... Yeah. You know, if I'm yelling at the kids because they're raising their voice in the house, what is that teaching them, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and that seems to be like the biggest problem is like, hey, inside voices, inside voices. All right. Well, that's, <laughs> I, you know, and so it's, it's kind of that slowing down. It's, it's setting the expectation ahead of time. And it's, it's talking about and talking through and having that mercy that I think a lot of fathers probably don't have, or it's a little, it's a little bit harder and you have to actually you have to stop. Count to 10. Go into another room. I find that like if if I'm disciplining one of my children, it's, hey, let's take a walk into the other room. Let's have a seat on the chair and let's talk about it. Um, obviously, you know, you still have to, you still have to discipline. You, you, you know, it, you can't just let a kid do whatever they want and just say, mm-hmm. oh, well, I love you and you can do, you know, just that's not nice, but don't that that doesn't work. Well, maybe some kids it works and oh man, I feel I wish you know, it'd be nice to have a kid that would listen to something like that. But that's just really not the case I don't think for most children. I I think to me, you know, I approach the same way as I do when I teach or you know how you run youth group is I don't believe in yelling at kids. Um now, I you know, I've been a youth minister for 13 years now. I yelled one time. I remember the day. <laughs> But I, I really pride myself on not yelling at kids. And I think giving them the expectations when I, or when I teach in a classroom, it's teaching them. It's um, giving them, having control, uh, having control of the classroom, creating in that environment. I think as a parent, this is also what I, I strive to do because the kids are going to learn more. So like I never like called out a kid and embarrassed him in front of all the you know I have a kid who's hyperactive for example who's acting out. Well, they're 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 crying for attention, negative or positive, they're crying for attention. So what I do is I remove them from the environment, give them the expectation one on one because clearly they did not hear that expectation from a class perspective. Try to find out what is going on in their lives. Um, so I look at it as I always take it, it's like the valves. So they have all the steam coming out and it's like trying to find the right valves for them to find, you know, channel the energy, channel that steam. And 
I found that model is really good. And I do that with my kids too, you know, sure. Have I made mistakes? Of course. But I really try to, if, if, if there's something going on, try to pull them aside the one-on-one what's going on. And I think that's my soft side. Um, try to understand them. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the, I'm going to let them get away with anything, but it's that I want to understand what's going on. Why are you frustrated? Um, and maybe help change your perspective, right? Oftentimes with kids, they're looking at things very narrow. So it's kind of opening up the horizon from them, putting them, uh, putting them on the balcony, right? Let them see the big picture. And then they go, oh, okay. And that has worked a lot for me. So that's kind of been my soft spot, my empathetic side within the structure of here's the expectations, here's what's expected of you. We need to work as together as a as a as a family model moving forward. So it's kind of how I approach youth group. It's kind of how I approach parenting. I don't know it works for me at least. I think nice. So I mean, I guess really part of you know when you not it's not only setting expectations and communicating with your child about. Um, what is it is expected of them, but also communicating to them about God on a regular basis. And you know, I, we 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 uh, need to make it, we need to make sure that we're praying with our children. And whether that's just you know, if you don't know where to start, maybe it's just praying before dinner, praying before bed. But having having that daily prayer and talking and not only just prayer, but talking about God in general, who he is. He loves you. He created you and he has your best interest in mind. And you can always lean on him for anything. And to, if to learn that at a very young age, I think is, is really just setting your children up for success going forward. I call it, call it, it's, it's, it's making traditions. We're a church of traditions. Um, you look back at Christmas and, and uh, Thanksgiving, those, those great holidays. I try to implement our God traditions. Um, so it's like the Feast of the Wise Men, doing the blessing over the door. The kids remember that every year. We do a big family prayer. Um, you know, for me, it's those kind of moments alongside of the ordinary daily conversation. Being able to talk about God is so important. Once again, you don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have all the answers. But having that great relationship, that's one of the things I love having the kids here at church. Um, you know, my kids get to see Father John, you know, in the parish, you know, not necessarily up on the altar all the time, but, you know, in the parish, his normal life, having normal conversations. Um, you know, our, um, I'll give you a good example today. Our, our secretary, she had to put her dog down. And her kids are here after school, and they're crying. And father was here with them, and you know they got they got to have that conversation with father here, and that that was so important. I mean, I, that's one of the things I love about working for the church. But even uh, those who don't work for the church, having those daily conversations just it's, it starts with the small things. So if you can talk about the small things, the big things come easy, right? Um, and I think it's it's they're watching too. They're watching us. Everything we do, they're, they're, they're seeing things, how we converse about God, um, how we talk to others. Uh, these are big influences. And, and it goes back to number one too. You know, we're the greatest influence over our children. 
but it's just having that open line. I think a lot of kids uh, that I've worked with over the years, they don't feel comfortable talking about the small things. So when big things come up, they're like, I can't talk to my parents about that. I don't, those are, that, that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when a kid will tell me they're pregnant before they tell their parents. Like to me, my parents were the rock for me. And I knew anything I would tell them, they would understand and we'd work through it. And that's the kind of message I want my kids to know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get through it, whatever it is. You can always come to me or mom and we can talk about things, especially when we mess up. Um, so that is very important alongside having that aspect and also the building the traditions, making Sunday sacred, making, making sure, you know, we pray on the way to school. Those little traditions just open doors and build trust with, with kids. And, and I think that is, is key is one of the main keys and, and Smith points that out too. So, um, and, and none of these things are like a, a quick overnight thing. It takes time to build tradition. Otherwise it's not tradition. Right. And, right. and that goes along with, you know, if it's, it's one thing to say, okay, son, you can talk to me about anything. You know that, right. It's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to mean it and for him or her to understand it and to uh, appreciate that. So you can't just, you know, your whole entire life, you know, your kid's life growing up, every time they mess up, uh, it's nothing but uh, hellfire and brimstone coming down on them. They're never going to come to you whenever they have an actual issue that they need to work through. They're going to go where they're going to find that. They're going to find that from a friend and their friend may not have their best interest in mind. And so it's, it's just this, all of this just keeps coming back to in the family. Try to, you know, try to just communi- communicate. And communication is so hard right now. We have phones, TVs, sports. We have everything going on that just kind of prevents or at least is a distraction to the family, the way the family is supposed to be. You know, I always, and I mentioned this at the dad's group, and I half-heartedly joke about it, but at the same time, I would still love it just to find a farm somewhere and mm-hmm. just raise the kids on a farm and we do everything together and you know, just to teach them the structure of, you know, raising animals and food and taking care of things as well as relying on each other for things. But then I look, I, if I reflect on it, it's like, I can do that here. It's not going to be farm animals and things like that, but it's going to be, you know, we're, let's find a common goal to work towards as a family. And, and I think that's really, you know, that that's really the what you need to do going forward. And like I said, it's not going to happen overnight. Otherwise, it would never be called a tradition. So we can prepare our kids, right? We can prepare kids for all this, you know, this wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. And we can, um, you know, they can be raised in the faith and they can be really feel really strong and good in their faith and they have a good prayer life. But then, okay, they go off to college and the first person who challenges them on faith, they everything falls apart because they have no answers. They don't know what, they, they've never been challenged before. Like, how do we prepare kids for being challenged in the secular world. This, this is good because they need to wrestle with faith. Um, faith is a gift, but they have to have a sense of ownership over it. You know, I remember uh, when I was a young kid, you know, I was raised Catholic my whole life. And um, I had some good friends who took me to this Christian festival. And uh, it was Protestant. And uh, 
They were telling you you need to be saved and a lot of things. And it was the first time I really wrestled with faith, you know, I guess. And why, you know, ask the question why. You know, I always was like, okay, okay. And, you know, I remember posing those questions and wrestling with it. My parents were very supportive. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go. You want to go check out their youth group over there, the, the other church? That's fine. Go check it out. They knew they had truth. They knew they had beauty here. Um, and uh, I really, they, they supported me, but they let me wrestle with it. So ownership of faith is, is very important. Uh, we need to provide the structure to support. And in today's world, too, that's one of a lot of the reasons why kids leave faith is because they believe in some cultural teaching that says X, Y, Z, and that goes strictly against the church, and they're like, "Well, I'm just going to leave. I don't. I don't. There's no structure built for them within to support them, to allow them to wrestle, seek out truth. That's one of the things that I struggle with when I hear like confirmation student who's like, "Well, I'm not going to get confirmed because of this, that one reason." And I'm like, "Well, have you done research? Have you researched both sides?" Well, no. I just feel this way. Well, that's not. I need you to go do research. I need you to, the, the, the influence of structure is not there for that child. Um, the parents are like, okay, you feel that way. That's good. We can't be uh, a faith of feelings. So that is important to have, um, let the kid wrestle with things, but within proper structure. So another way to look at this is to have good influences in their lives. Who are their mentors? What groups are they involved with? This is where a good program, like a youth ministry program, a religious ed program, um, those kind of things are important. Uh, I was very moved when I when I went out to Kane, Pennsylvania, and went in a retreat out there. And the DRE has family masses out there, and the whole family has parts in the mass, and they they kind of adopt these masses, and they have this structure where the families really support each other. And you saw it. Now it's a small town. They're more, they're, they're closer because of that. But it was really awesome to see like the church community taking ownership of the kids, of the families. And they were, they realized that, you know, that's what we do when the kids baptize in church. We're supposed to take care of that child as a parish community. So they had a, a channel and infrastructure for the kid to grow up in that was safe, that was influenced uh, with good things. But also when the kid had questions, they, they knew they knew they could ask people. They knew. So for me, you know, I had like uh, Jim Murphy. Uh, Mr. Murphy was my eighth grade teacher. He was awesome. Uh, he was there for me. I could ask him questions. He was kind of like a, a second grandfather to me. Um, so he was somebody who taught religious ed with me. Um, I was a young you know kid and he was a teacher. So he would help me teach the class he'd give me you know uh points and stuff like that to be a better teacher so those channels of influence are very important uh to place in the child's life allowing them to wrestle allowing them to have a sense of ownership of faith so that's one of the things smith points out uh, once again doesn't replace parents but it's a huge aspect of what keeps kids in the faith so those elements are present when life hits you or life says complete opposite from the church, they still find identity in the church. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, the other night you mentioned um, the, the difference between possession and ownership, right? And you use the example of I can possess a guitar, right? And I own it and I can look at it and it can sit on my 
um, in my living room and it's pretty and it's mine, but it's another thing to take ownership of it and learn to play that guitar. Right. And there's, I think there's so much in just in our daily lives, especially in our throwaway culture that we can, we can all relate to that of how many possessions do I have that I don't take ownership of transfer that to your kids and then try to instill that in your kids of take ownership of your faith. Don't just possess faith, take ownership of it. And, and it's using little examples like that to try to really press that home or really hit that home. Uh, yeah. That, that analogy with my guitar, I use that all the time. <laughs> like my youth group kids are probably sick of it, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's that, you know, it's that having that really nice guitar and I can bring it out and show people like, wow, you have a Les Paul Gibson. Yeah, I do. It's awesome. It looks really cool. And I can show people, and that's possession. Ownership is the blood, sweat, and tears you pour into it. And now I own that guitar. You know, I can play it. You know, it might be, you know, the 12 bar, but whatever it is. (laughs) 12 bar blues. It's a sense of ownership. And there's a big difference there when correlates to faith. I think so many people possess faith and I'm Catholic and I'll bring it out and here I am, I'm Catholic. We got to own it. Um, that is so important for a young person um, and, and, and parents to, to instill in their kids, um, especially when this world will strip everything. So Jesse's audio just cut out right now. Not sure what happened there. And that might be on my end. This happens every time we record on Discord. Um, but I think what the, the big thing Jesse kind of is, is getting to is um, there was a, a Pew Research study done. And every year they've really they've uh, pulled people on, you know, how often do you go to mass and are you religious? And it's now dropped to below uh, 50% in the United States for the first time. And the biggest thing is we need to reverse this trend and we can't just do it by just continuing to do the same things that we're doing. We need to raise kids in the faith. We need to strengthen our own faith and we need to pray for the church and pray for God's people. And in order to do this, it's one step at a time. There's nothing we can accomplish overnight. This is all stuff that takes time. So with that being said, we're going to end the podcast right here. And uh, thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, smash that subscribe button so that we come into your inbox every single week. Check us out on social media. And until next time, God bless you.